Zumo's new stream box has begun its rollout by corporate parents Charter and Comcast. We discuss why the box is the right move for them, but has limited use elsewhere. Listen on to learn more. this week's edition of Inside the Stream. This is Will Richmond from Video News. That was Colin Dixon from Endscreen Media there at the beginning. Hey, Colin, how's everything going? It's going great, Will. Um, yeah, we're uh, keeping busy with uh, all the news in our business, and there's plenty to talk about again this week. So we're going to get started with a news story that uh, actually comes from our friend Bruce Leishman, right? We are. And Bruce this week released his 21st annual pay TV in the U.S. study, 21st annual study. And I think really the top line was to quantify the reduction in pay TV households over the um, past 15 years or so. And for this year, this study showed that 64% of TV households in the U.S. now have some form of pay TV service that could be either uh, a live TV pay TV service that's either from cable, satellite, telco, or some type of virtual virtual pay TV service like a YouTube TV or Hulu Live, etc. But that 64% shows a steady decline over the years, most recently in 2018, it was at 78%. And if you stretch back to all the way back to 2008, 15 years ago, it was at 87%. So essentially in the past 15 years, there's been a 23 point reduction in the number of pay TV households in the US. That's, that would be more than a quarter reduction. And no surprise, I suppose, at all, the group that has the significant under-representation of pay TV uh, households are 18 to 44-year-olds. Bruce found that 56% of 18 to 44-year-olds now have a pay TV service, and that's down from 83% 10 years ago. So Bruce also included some other data in his press release on the topic. But yeah, I think it really, uh, Colin, I think it really helps to quantify um, the types of declines, whether through cord cutting or cord nevering uh, that we've seen in the pay TV world. Yeah. And this, this definitely mirrors the, the data that I've been tracking, Will. I think Bruce's data is actually based on a survey, on his uh, regular survey of customers and adding up the pay TV households as both Bruce, Bruce and I do via you know the the reporting that that companies provide i reckon that for the first time we have fallen below 50 percent for cable satellite and telco tv providers uh you know uh, subscriptions in the us which is i don't think it's been below 50 percent in decades and actually Virtual MVPDs are making a really meaningful contribution now. They're probably 12, 13% of the total number of that, of those households that have live, quote, live TV. So yeah, this is, this really documents pretty clearly the decline in, 
in pay television. And it's really interesting, Will, because uh, this week Discovery was crowing about how well its channels like TLC were doing with audiences. And while that's all well and good for them, um, these are pure cable channels and they're really reaching far, far fewer homes than they were just a few years ago, as you said from Bruce's number. So it really underlines how critical it is for these traditional providers to get a solid foothold in the streaming business. So, you know, pretty interesting data and really documents, I think, very clearly where we are in, in, the, in the business these days. Absolutely. Um, so that was Bruce's data. You have some data also to share before we get into the Zumo news. I do. And uh, unless uh, our readers have been at my site, I hope they have, actually. I hope our listeners have been at my site. They, they might have missed this data that I published this week from TiVo. And the, the interesting thing here, Will, is we sort of know that if somebody is using a service a lot more, they're probably a lot less likely to churn from it, to cancel it. But I've really not seen any specific information that really gives us a measure of how likely people are and if that's really true. Well, I was chatting with TiVo and they shared some data with me, which was, I think, the first data I've seen that gives sort of more more concrete proof. The people that use a service more are less likely to churn. So... They, they calculate this thing called effective catalog size, ECS. And they didn't come up with this. This is something that Netflix pioneered. Um, but they, they've been calculating it. And it really monitors how many catalog items are typically watched by users of a particular service. So, you know, TV shows, movies, sporting events, etc. that are in the catalog of a particular service. And the higher this ECS the more library items a user watches, right? So that's what this measure is. Well, what they did was they grouped households by churn risk score. And it turned out that those with a low, lower ECS tended to have a higher churn risk score. So what that means is that those who were using less of the catalog were more likely to churn. So just to give you an example, of the homes with a churn risk score of 67, 7 in 10 had a low ECS. And those with a higher ECS tended to have a lower churn risk score. So, score. so less than a third of the homes with a 67 churn risk score had a high ECS. So this sounds a bit, a bit complicated, I know, but it's the first concrete evidence I've seen that really does tie higher users of a service to lower churn risk. So I was really pleased to see this data and I published it on my site. So if folks wanna swing by my site, they can they can read a lot more about it. And what this really underlines for me, Will, is just how important discovery is for, for services. Because if they can help people find more relevant content, this really does have a tangible impact on the churn that they're experiencing, which in turn improves the bottom line. Yeah. It, it just, you know, it has so many benefits. 
Yeah, completely agree with you. I mean, it uh, as you said, it seems like getting viewers engaged with the content is critical in order to um, drive up satisfaction and reduce churn, as you're pointing out. So discoverability, user interface, you know, quick play, no buffering, all that is uh, part of the user experience is all critical to, uh, to delivering on engagement, which in turn impacts churn. Yeah, it sure does. And, you know, looking at TiVo's uh, video trends report, Will, it's still, I think we've got plenty of room to improve discovery in these services because word of mouth and commercials or ads that run during other TV shows are still the number one way that people find something new to watch. You have to go, you know, uh, you have to go down to like the fourth or fifth way uh, of finding stuff as being in the guide or through the menus of a service. So, you know, there's plenty of room for improvement with discovery. So this, this must, you know, this is kind of good news for service providers, right? Because now we know that there really is a strong relationship there is something very specific they can do about it, and that's beef up their discovery. So yeah. anyway, that was yeah. I was really pleased to see that data. That's great. Moving on to our story. So we um, had this week Zumo, which our listeners probably recognize was a content, a free streaming service that has now been turned into a um, device, essentially a device company by Comcast and Charter. And this week they announced their first box, their first uh, Zumo streaming box. And that is, uh, I think, uh, that comes on top of two TVs that they, a couple of TVs that they had licensed uh, to um, several months ago. But um, this is the uh, start of a nationwide rollout of their first box, their first Zumo device, uh, standalone device. Um, and uh, it's going to be rolled out by Spectrum, uh, Charter Spectrum, and by Comcast Xfinity. It's, um, it seems like the strategy is a little, the rollout strategy is a little bit different. Comcast, I think, is maybe being a little bit more, trying to drive them a little bit harder, it seems, than uh, Charter, maybe. But overall, it seems we'll get into this now, but it seems like a pretty strong, a smart play by both Comcast and Charter here uh, to essentially try to own the user, the streaming user experience. And we know from uh, prior discussions that we've had about Roku and Fire TV and the smart TV providers that um, being the owner of the device has lots of advantages excuse me, in terms of um, helping drive the user experience, um, helping understand what the, um, you know, own the data that's coming back on how the users are interacting with the device and what services they're using. And also for these two cable TV companies, it seems like a smart play from just a pure capital and operating standpoint to uh, have customers using these relatively inexpensive devices in order to receive both the TV service and also all the streaming services. And this kind of piggybacks on what Comcast has been doing with the Flex device. In fact, uh, the Zumo uh, box, the Zumo stream box will take the place of uh, Flex for Xfinity users now. But um, 
it's a it, it seems like it's a smart play in lots of different ways. The I guess the caveat here is that this is, as we know, an intensely competitive environment um, with big players, as I just said, Roku, Amazon, Apple, Google, and others. So uh, Zumo is coming into a crowded space. But for these companies, the way that they deliver both TV and streaming services and the fact that they have these huge bases of broadband users as well, uh, it seems like a pretty smart play on their part. What do you think? I, I agree. And I, I really like the positioning with this Comcast Entertainment Operating System, although I don't know why it's Zumo calling it the Comcast Entertainment Operating System. Maybe they should be calling, calling it the Zumo Entertainment Operating System. But I really like that positioning because that's what really this does. And I think, you know, thinking back to Bruce's numbers, uh, still many, many Americans are living with a foot in both worlds, right? Um, they've got live TV service. They've also got a lot of streaming services. And Zumo sort of sits right there at the intersection of those two worlds for customers and brings it all together and makes it easy to access. Uh, as you say, there are lots of benefits to Comcast and Charter using a box like this Zumo box. Um, first of all, no spinning disk in this box. Which, is, which automatically makes it much cheaper. So if they can get their traditional pay TV subscribers using a box like this, it's going to fail much, much less than a DVR box, which is, which is what they typically put in people's homes with their custom box. The Xfinity set-top box has a spinning disc in it, so it's going to fail more often. It's a, it's a whole heck of a lot cheaper so again, as you say, this, this saves some money uh, up front because they don't have to invest in the box. Um, although I do wonder how many people keep those boxes for so long that it ends up being cash flow positive for Comcast and for Charter because they pay, keep paying for them even after they've been, quote, paid for, for through their payments. But, but anyway, that, that's probably a, a net benefit to them. And it really does reflect very much where Comcast has driven this entertainment operating system. They've driven all the functionality into the cloud. So you really don't need this disk anymore spinning in your home. It's all sitting in the cloud and, and this box brings it all together. So yeah, I think it's a great strategy. It gets everything onto the broadband network, which is where Comcast Charter and everybody else is investing so heavily, uh, unifying their network around an IP infrastructure, which uh, as you and I both know, that's where all the action is. That's where everything is being developed rather than on their bespoke custom cable network. Um, they're using this standard IP delivery mechanism, which, uh, which again, provides support savings, development savings uh, along the way. So, yeah, I don't, don't really see anything wrong with this. I think it's exactly the right play. Uh, so yeah, it's it's a good good move. I guess the question is what uh, you know what is the opportunity for Zumo stream boxes outside of the Comcast and Charter footprint for those subscribers? That that one seems like a tougher play. Um, I think they want to go after that, and certainly the licensing the entertainment system operating system to the TV manufacturers is their play, but. That seems like a tougher space to get a foothold in. Um, it seems like this is just really primarily for their own 
uh, for uh, customers in their own footprint, in their own respective footprints. And um, I just note that I think uh, the rollout plan for Charter for Spectrum is that their video subscribers would get one free uh, Zumo box for for their initial 12 months and afterward they can either buy it for 60 uh, or rent it for $5. I assume most people will probably buy it at that point. It makes a whole lot more sense if you're going to be keeping the service. Whereas uh, Char- uh, Comcast is, I think, looking to extend what it's been doing, which is basically giving the um, box away to uh, Xfinity internet subscribers as part of their service. That's how I got a flex also, although I honestly don't use the device very much anymore. But that is, uh, I think, maybe one difference between the two services. But um, do you agree, Colin? You think it's primarily for um, people within the footprints? I do. There's a couple of couple of things that I think we should talk about from there. One is that it's a very smart play if you accept the fact that cable TV, traditional TV is going to continue to decline, which, of course, you know, Bruce's numbers beautifully illustrate illustrate how that's going to happen and the reason i say that is this if you are an xfinity customer an xfinity broadband customer and you currently also subscribe to television if in the next year or so you decide you don't need television anymore you can cancel television but you do you don't have to do anything else you can continue to use the box you can continue to watch all the services that you've been watching except traditional pay tv from from comcast or charter and that is so important to Comcast and Charter because that means they still get the benefit of the stickiness of video. Um, you know, you've got all of your services, perhaps you're paying for some of those services through Comcast and Charter's billing. So you're much less likely to churn because it's so difficult, you know, to to switch all of that to a different different provider or a different credit card or something else. So so you get the stickiness for Comcast and Charter, you get the stickiness of video without the inconvenience of having to do all of these deals for the content. Um, at least that, that, that's aspirational, I guess, because you still have some customers who are still doing it. Uh, but, and, for, and for the cable operators, frankly, the loss of the uh, traditional TV business is is such a marginal business for them today, Will. I don't think they're losing that much profit. The most important thing is to hang on to those customers um, on, on a device that you own so that you can continue, as you say, to get data on what they're doing. Um, you can also offer them, remember, p- part of Zumo is Zumo's fast service. And... I was looking at some some data earlier that showed that those people that use fast services, fast linear services, are much less likely to churn from a service than those that don't. So you so you get all of the benefits or a lot of the benefits of video with this strategy without actually having to sell a customer a video service. So I think there's so many benefits. So that that's the first thing. I think it's a you know definitely the right thing to do from that perspective. Now on your second point about the competitiveness of the market, um, I think that's absolutely true. I think it's really something for the footprints of the cable operators themselves. And while Zumo has made some inroads, they have two two TVs shipping with Element and with Hisense. 
with this uh, Zumo OS or this Comcast Entertainment Operating System, and I think there's another one coming, they're really not making a massive impression. And I really don't see that there's a room for another big player in the US market, that's for sure. I don't think there's room for another player here, at least not on the same terms as the other providers that are providing it, like Fire TV, Roku, etc. Um, there really needs to be a substantially different play to make an impression in the US market than what's currently on offer from those. And this isn't, this is very similar similar play to all of the others. So I really don't think they have a substantial footprint in the CE market and I don't see that changing based on what they're doing at the moment. So uh, yeah, it's very much a play for their own customers. It's a great way of hanging on to those customers even if they cut the cord and get rid of traditional pay TV. Uh, and uh, you know they get all of the benefits of video without or any of the the overheads of, of of having to pay content providers for their for their content. Yeah, one other just one other quick angle. I agree with the, what you just said there, Carl. One other quick angle on this is that um, you know we saw the Disney uh, charter deal um, and now you know resolution of their dispute a couple of weeks ago and. Um, it looked like, you know, incorporating the streaming services into uh, Charter's strategy uh, was going to be more and more important going forward, the Disney streaming s services. So uh, to the extent that they have their own device, the Zumo streaming box, um, that seems like that gives them more flexibility potentially to uh, figure out how to, um, you know, really drive adoption of the Disney streaming services alongside their own TV service. And, and I think that was kind of what Charter was after in that and uh, the way that that dispute was settled was figuring out how to kind of combine or bundle traditional TV with uh, with streaming. Right. And you know, that's interesting because uh, the part of, as you say, part of that Charter deal was that a bunch of of the smaller channels that Disney was providing got got kicked out. Well, this is a very this this puts Disney in a quite an interesting position, right? Because if these brands, Disney Junior, etc., um, actually have some value, maybe not as much value as they thought, but has some value, they actually still have a mechanism to deliver it into consumer homes, right? Because they can do it via boxes like the Zumo box and via services like Zumo. So there is they they may have a life but the life they end up having is actually in those streaming services uh they're not going to get their uh, penny or two from subscribe quote subscribers that they were getting with the pay tv universe but if there is still value for consumers they will attract eyeballs and they'll get to make money through the advertising that they place in those streams so it's kind of interesting for Disney to think about too, uh, but uh, I think probably at a substantially different valuation and a substantial, substantially different revenue opportunity than they were with traditional pay TV. So uh, yeah, uh, Charter and Comcast get more flexibility in the deals because those minority channels get booted out. And uh, Disney, I guess, gets more flexibility to reinvent those brands in the digital space uh, if they still have value. Yeah. Okay. Well, it'll be good to uh, keep an eye how this unfolds. Uh, I'm guessing that 
what they would really like to do is get other cable operator, pay TV operators using uh, the Zumo stream box as well to expand it just beyond their, uh, just beyond the two footprints of Charter and Comcast. But uh, that could be a difficult sell. We'll have to wait and see how that turns out. Yeah, yeah. Adopting the Comcast infrastructure for your pay TV service. Um, I think there are several other operators that, that have done that. I think Cox use it and there's a couple of uh, Canadian operators that also use it. So I think they're probably natural adopters of the Zumo box, um, assuming that Zumo can get the right deal with those operators to do that. Um, but, you know, moving to this architecture is a really big change. And it's something that will take operators a long time. And I think most operators these days have some sort of multi-screen strategy in place already and probably don't feel like they need to go with Zumo and Comcast's infrastructure in order to do a lot of the things that they are doing with it. But if you do have that in place already, it is a very short distance to adopt the Zumo box and and basically do the same thing that Comcast and Charter are doing. So, yeah, I'm not I'm not very optimistic about uh, about Zumo being able to expand this beyond those customers, those cable operators that have already adopted Comcast's infrastructure. That's that sort of model. But that said, there's still growth there for them if they can get folks like Cox and the Canadian operators to adopt it. Good. Well, let's leave it at that, Colin. Um, no doubt there will be lots more to come from Zumo, a very strategic initiative by both uh, Comcast and Charter. And uh, good conversation. And thanks, everybody, for listening in on this week's edition of uh, Inside the Stream. And we will see you all again next week. Inside the Stream is a production of in-screen media and video news, all rights reserved.